it's probably true to say that most of us sitting here tonight have been hurt by somebody that we love or someone that we trusted. I know I have. My father was an alcoholic. And if you come from a house where alcohol is an issue, I don't even have to tell you about the hurtful and painful and embarrassing moments when you live in a house like that, where you wish to God you lived at your friend's house rather than have to go home to your own house. My father also loved womanizing. He has 15 other children from other women besides the four of us with my mom that we know of. My father was not a man of faith. I was so angry at my father that I did not speak to him for 18 years. And when my kids were old enough to go to school and they were asking for grandparents, they where's our grandfather? I told them he was dead. So I know what it's like to carry around anger and hatred and resentment. And I'm sure that many of you in here are carrying something that happened to you in your past. Maybe something that even your best friend doesn't know about. And as we begin this season of Lent, this incredible season to receive an opportunity for God's incredible divine mercy, open your hearts tonight to receive God's peace. Jesus' invitation to us is peace. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. So how do we find the peace? And I want to do this within the context of talking about one of my favorite people in the Bible, and that's David. After David received the anointing from Samuel to be the new king of Israel, the Philistines showed up. Now, David did not go to fight because he was only a teenager. But his brothers went. And when the Philistines and the Israelites were about to throw down, Goliath comes out from the Philistines and says, look, instead of all this bloodshed, let's do this. I'll represent the Philistines. You send somebody to represent Israel and we'll fight together. If we win, you're our slaves. If you win, we're your slaves. And he began to mock and ridicule the armies of God. And what was the response of Saul and the armies of Israel? When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, why were they afraid of Goliath? There came from a camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath the Goth, whose height was six cubits and a span. So a cubit is 18 inches, a span is half a cubit, or nine inches. Do the math. The dude's nine feet, nine inches tall. Big dude. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. So mail is worn underneath the outer armor. It looks like meshy, fish-scaly type of armor. And his weighed 5,000 shekels. A shekel is 0.4 ounces. Do the math, 125 pounds. So a 9 feet, 9 inch dude with 125 pounds of armor come walking up on you? 
you're going to be scared. But the deeper question is, what is the Goliath in your life? What is it that has you so scared as you sit here that you can't take your life to that next level? You can't take your intimacy with God to that next level because your Goliath has you scared. And when we get scared, we get stuck. And when we get stuck, we get comfortable. And if we really want to have the best Lent ever, if we want to really move our relationship with God to a deeper level of intimacy, we got to get uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Maybe you were raped. Had a little too much to drink. And he took advantage of you. Maybe you were the rapist. Maybe you were bullied when you were in high school. You had glasses. You had braces. You were the wrong color. You had the wrong accent. Your family was poor. You were the fat kid. Maybe you were the one who was the bully. You were getting beaten at home. You couldn't do anything to stop it. And so the way you dealt with it was beat up on someone who was weaker than you. Maybe as you sit here right now, you are fighting not to take that next drink. Not to do that next line of Coke. Maybe you tried to commit suicide. So overwhelming. The pain so intense. You couldn't take it anymore. So you tried to take your own life. Maybe you're estranged from your parents. Maybe you're angry all the time. Maybe you're depressed. What is your Goliath? The question is, are you going to continue to be afraid like the armies of Israel? Because you have a choice. You could respond to your Goliath as David did. Now David shows up. He wasn't there to fight. He was there to bring food to his brothers because his father wanted intel on what was going on with the war. But David got, and what day did David show up on? Day 40. Ain't that interesting? That number shows up a lot, doesn't it? 40 days and 40 nights in the ark. Wandering 40 years in the desert. Moses getting the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, 40 days. Jesus, before he started public ministry, in the desert for 40 days. Excuse me, how many days in Lent? 40. Well, almost 40. 40, 40, 40. 40 is the number of gestational weeks in a pregnancy. So 40 represented a time of trial, of testing, and of waiting. Because after 40 days, weeks, years, God is going to do something. We've just entered into this time of 40. And if you open your hearts to receive everything that God wants to give you, at the end of this 40 days, God, 
is going to do something. So David shows up. He hears Goliath mocking God's army. And he says, are we going to stand here while this uncircumcised Philistine mocks the armies of God? Who's going to do something? Not me, not me, not me, not me. David said, I got this. So he goes to Saul and says, I want to fight Goliath. And Saul says, your funeral. David makes his only mistake. He begins to put on Saul's armor. Now, who does he sound like here? This is David now. He put a helmet of bronze on his head. He clothed himself with a coat of mail. He girded his sword over his armor. Who does he sound like to you? Goliath! And what happened when he put on the armor? David said, I cannot go out with these. I'm not used to them. He took them off. Because David realized you cannot defeat the Goliath in your life with the weapons of man. So David takes the staff in his hand. He goes to the brook. He finds five smooth stones. He puts them in his shepherd's bag or his wallet. And he had his sling. And he moved toward the Philistine. So he reached into his bag or his wallet and he pulled out a sling and five smooth stones. Huh? A sling and five smooth stones. Now, if you understand biblical typology, I believe that David fought Goliath with a type of rosary. The sling and then the five stones representing the five wounds of Christ or each of the five Joyful, sorrowful, luminous, and glorious mysteries of the rosary. David understood you can only defeat the Goliath in your life with the weapons of God. And we Catholics have an arsenal. Pick one and fight. We have the rosary. We have the chaplet of divine mercy. We have novenas. We have a gazillion devotions. This year is dedicated to St. Joseph. And we have my favorite, Eucharistic Adoration. The Sacrament of Reconciliation as well. I mentioned in my homily today, the reason why reconciliation is so important, because we walk into that confessional, we're dead. Death for the Hebrews, mavet, means to cut yourself off from God's life. And what God is doing, that sacrament of reconciliation and mercy, is restoring what was lost. That's what religion does. Comes ligion in Greek means to join. Religion means to rejoin. Because we were separated from God in our sin, and we are joined back to him through our religion through our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is about to come to us body, blood, soul, divinity in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. And when you begin to face your Goliath, your Goliath is going to try to turn on you. When David goes to meet Goliath with his sling and five smooth stones, Goliath says to him, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? <laughs> Let me see if I got this straight. You think <laughs> that you can defeat me with your rosaries? 
with your chaplet of divine mercies? <laughs> with your Eucharistic adoration? <laughs> I'm Goliath! I'm your rapist! I'm the abortion doctor. I'm alcohol. I'm friends with benefits. I'm your mom who beat the hell out of you. And you think you can beat me? Ah. When you're finally ready to face your Goliath, he's going to try to turn on you. And my friends, when that happens, you follow David's lead. David says to Goliath, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth. In Hebrew, which means the, literally the God of armies. The God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So David says to Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord. What do we say at every holy sacrifice of the mass? Blessed is he who... We say at every Mass what David said to Goliath. Because David understood that he cannot defeat Goliath on his own without the power of God. That's why he would write in Psalm 124, if the Lord had not been on our side, this is Israel's song. If the Lord had not been on our side when men rose against us, then would they have swallowed us alive when their anger was kindled. David goes on to say, look, I'll tell you how this is going to go down. You ain't going to kill me, bro. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off and leave your body for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field that all on earth may know that there is a God in Israel. How are people supposed to know there's a God at LSU? How are people supposed to know there's a God in Baton Rouge? If you don't show them, if you don't witness to the power of God's love in your life every day. David said that all this assembly may know it is the Lord who saves, not with the sword, not with the spear, for the battle is the Lord's. David understood that God fights with and for him. He is never alone. Therefore, he never has to be afraid. Think of it like this, my friends. As we start this time of adoration, I want you to think about this. We're, Jesus is going to come right here. This is your opportunity to ask him to help you face your Goliath. Why is that? Think of it like this, my friends. Imagine you walk into your kitchen and your little three-year-old niece has a very large, very sharp knife that she's holding by the blade. You walk in and see that. Would you say, oh my goodness, and snatch the knife out of her hand? Would you do that? No, you cut her hand off. What would you do instead? Oh, sweetie, what you got there? What you got there? Let me see that. Wow, look at that. Wow, sweetie, come here. Let me see. Look at that. And she's all smiling, holding that knife. And you say, oh, honey, can you open your hand? 
and give that. Can you open your hands, sweetie pie? Give that. And she just look. She opens her hands. You slowly reach in. Oh, thank you, honey. And you take that knife out of her hand. My friends, God wants to do that with you tonight. You've been holding on to that knife, to that blade for too long. To the anger, the resentment, the pain, the fear, the anxiety for too long. And God is saying to you this Lent, God is saying to you tonight, what have you got there? Can I see? Oh, my child, I love you more than you can ever know or imagine. Can you come here? Can I see? Can you open your hand? And the Lord God, through the sacrament of reconciliation, through his presence here in the blessed sacrament, wants to reach in and take that knife away from you once and for all. And he wants to start that tonight for you. Let him. Allow God to be with you. Open. Don't hold anything back from him. Give it all to him tonight. And I close with a reflection from, it's actually from the book of Ezekiel chapter 18. If a wicked man turns away from all his sins, which he has committed, and keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. What do you mean he ain't going to die? We all going to die. Well, remember what death means, to cut yourself off from God's life. So that even though we die, we will live. And that's what the Lord is saying here to Ezekiel. If you follow the ways of the Lord, not the ways of the thinking of this world. What does Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so you may know what is God's will, what is good and pleasing and perfect to the Lord. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed against me and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord. So turn and live. Turn to the Lord and live. And I just end with a, a prayer that I use. This is my personal prayer that I use as I prepare myself for the sacrament of reconciliation. And I'd like to share that with you. Lord Jesus, I come before you just as I am. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. In your name, I forgive all others for what they have done against me. I renounce Satan, the evil spirits, and all their works. 
I give you my entire self. Lord Jesus, now and forever, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, God, and Savior. Heal me. Change me. Strengthen me in body, soul, and spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, cover me with your precious blood and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I will follow you every day of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at CTK is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit ctklsu.org.